0: Hot winds had blown down out of the Santa Ana Canyon for three days, charging the air with static electricity and the smell of the desert. The Hollywood Hills and San Gabriel Mountains were full of fire. It seemed likely that before the first of November, the entirety of the Los Angeles basin would be burned to cinder. Plumes of black smoke clouded the horizon, and fine black ash and soot drizzled like dead rain when the winds fell and left off blowing the smoke away to the northwest. The evening hills flickered with patches of orange flame, and the night air was full of sirens screaming away up the boulevard. Serious reporters chattered from the car radio, mouthing suspicions of arson. But to Jim Hastings, who rode along in his Uncle Edward's Hudson Wasp bound for the ocean, speculations about arson seemed immaterial. He was fairly sure that even if all arsonists suddenly disappeared from the earth, the scrub-covered foothills, feeling the sweep of hot autumn winds, would set themselves ablaze in the tradition of Mr. Crook of the Rag and Bottle Shop. There was a stupendous low tide, a negative eight feet. The rock reefs along the shores of the Palace Verdes Peninsula were exposed 200 yards seaward at three o'clock in the afternoon. Onshore breezes that had sprung up in late morning kept the skies above the shoreline clear as rainwater. The sun shone on little wavelets and sharp glens, and from the top of the cliffs, Jim Hastings and his best friend Giles Peach could see Catalina Island floating mythically. It seemed as if every bit of chaparral and gnarled oak on the distant island were visible, and that the Santa Barbara Channel had mysteriously awakened to find itself a part of the Aegean Sea. The two scrambled down a steep dirt trail to the beach, leaving the unloading of the old Hudson to Jim's uncle, Edward St. Ives. Jim, a romantic, claimed to have heard that wild peccary and cyclops lived in caves in the cliffs and wandered out onto the beaches on deserted winter days. Gil, a pragmatist, said he supposed that was a lie. The two of them wandered from one long shelf of rock to another, finding successively larger tide pools that contained successively stranger fish. Tiny octopi and violet nudibranch hovered in the shadows of eelgrass and blue-green algae. Little schools of silver opal-eye perch darted across the expanse of larger pools, and in one, guarded by two lumpy-looking orange parents, hovered ten thousand baby Garibaldi, shining like blue fire when they darted out of the shadows of rocks and into the sunlight. Uncle Edward caught up with them, carrying the wooden bucket that he called Momus Glass— The bottom had been carefully sawed out and a round piece of double-strength window glass caulked in. When the glass-bottom bucket was partially submerged in the rippling water of a pool, the land beneath sprang into sharp clarity as if beyond the wall of an aquarium. Such were the depths of the pools, however, that in some of them there was nothing but shadow below. The reds and blues and greens of the algae faded in the depths, and the pools fell away finally into darkness. It was impossible to say whether a crab scuttling over a bed of sea lettuce was ten feet beneath the surface or twenty, or whether the seeming depth was a trick of refraction and the crab only a foot below them. Jim broke muscles to bits, smashing them against rocks and dropping pieces of slippery orange flesh into the pool, watching them disappear between the clutching fingers of anemones. Once, just for the slip of an instant, he fancied he saw a great luminous eye peer up at him from a swaying shadow deep below. The eye of a fish who had wandered up out of a deep ocean trench. Jim had the idea that the pools were somehow prodigiously deep. He had read, in fact, that the entirety of Los Angeles lay on what amounted to a floating bed of rock. A deep enough hole would sooner or later find the ocean. Uncle Edward insisted that at any particular moment, while you sat in your armchair smoking your pipe and reading your book, a submarine might well be cruising a mile beneath you, its running light startling schools of giant squid. These tide pools, then, might go anywhere they pleased. That was pretty much the way Jim saw it, and Giles was in no hurry to disagree, as he had in the matter of the Cyclops. He had a strange affinity for the ocean for the idea of ancient Paleozoic seas and the monsters that crept